You know, one of the things which, which most people deeply desire is to hear God's voice. Uh, we want to hear God speak to us. We want to have direction from God who knows everything and sees everything. We just want him to give us some insight, to speak into our lives and give us guidance and give us wisdom and encouragement and give us hope. And one of the things which God really wants us to know because it's a major theme of the Bible, like a big major theme, is that he does speak. He does indeed speak. Jesus said even, he said, I am the good shepherd. There in John 10, he said, I'm the good shepherd. He said, I call my sheep by name and I lead them out to pasture and my sheep know my voice. Another time Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock and if anyone hears my voice, and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. So that means that whoever you are, whatever place you're at with God today, whether you are a committed follower of Jesus or if you are not and you're just here because you're interested, you need to understand this, that God is saying, I am knocking on your door. I am speaking to you personally. Are you listening? Will you respond? The question is not, is God speaking? He most certainly is. That's made very clear to us. The question is rather, are we listening? Back in the day when the telegraph was the fastest method of long-distance communication, uh, a young man applied for a job as a Morse code operator. And he had seen a posting for the job in a newspaper, so he went to the office address that was listed in the posting. And when he arrived, uh, he entered a large, busy office. And it was filled with noise and clatter, and including, of course, the sound of the telegraph, because that's the business that he went to. And there was a sign on the receptionist counter there in the telegraph office that instructed the applicants to fill out a form and wait until they were summoned to enter the inner office for their interview. So the young man filled out his application form and he sat down with seven other applicants there in the waiting area. And uh, after a few minutes, that young man stood up, he crossed the room and entered the inner office, the door of the inner office, he just walked right in. And naturally the other applicants were curious what's going on, right? They're, they're, they perked up, right? What's going on? They started muttering to each other, Hey, we haven't heard any summons. Nobody's called us in for an interview. What's that guy doing? What's he thinking? They, they wondered, why would he just stand up and walk into the inner office? A few minutes later, though, the, the door of the office opened and the employer stepped out with the man who had gone in. And he said, gentlemen, thank you very much, but the job has just been filled. And the other applicants began grumbling to each other and asking each other, wait a minute, I, I don't understand. I mean, that guy was the last one to enter this room, and he never even, we never got summons to, to go in. We never got the chance to be interviewed. Why did he get the job? That's not fair. And the employer said, well, it's because the whole time you've been sitting here, the telegraph has been ticking away a message in Morse code. And the message is, if you understand this message, then come right in. The job is yours. None of you heard it. None of you understood it. But this young man did, and the job is his. 
See, we live in a world that is a lot like that telegraph office, right? God is speaking. There's a message being spoken, but it can be hard to hear it because there's so much noise. And it's not just physical noise, right? Uh, we're surrounded by just noise, right? Clatter. So many things that, are, that clamor for our attention all the time. I don't know about you, but all day long I get these pop-up notifications, right? On my phone, on my computer, and... Um, it's, it's like I hear that ding, like all kinds of different dings. Like I got like five different dings that go off on my devices. And I can hear them even from across the room or across the hall. And, and it's, it's one of those notifications. And it's just yelling like, look at me now. Stop what you're doing and pay attention to me. Look at this, right? And, and I don't know about you, but I find that it takes concerted effort on my part to focus on one thing uh, for any period of time because there are so many distractions. There's so much noise. And there's a term that's used to describe this. A book was written on this topic. It's a short book, but, but I think it's really pertinent to the time that we live in. It's called the tyranny of the urgent, right? The tyranny of the urgent, which means we're surrounded by all these things that are calling out to us constantly, stop what you're doing and do this instead, right? Pay attention to me now. And, and as a result, right, it's hard for us, it has become hard for us to think deeply and, and focus on one thing. It's easy for us to be busy all the time, but not actually accomplish anything. Have you found that in your life? You're busy, but then you look back on your day and you're like, wow, I was busy, but what did I really do, right? And if you have little kids around, you know all about this idea of the tyranny of the urgent, right? Because every time you try to sit down and do something important that requires your attention, you're, you're constantly interrupted, right? Because your son just punched your daughter in the face again, and your toddler's playing in the toilet, and somebody just threw up on the carpet, right? And, and others of us, Maybe you've just gotten used to the noise, right? It's just, you've just gotten used to it to the point where silence actually makes you feel uncomfortable. And so you go to bed with the TV on because the noise, just laying there in the dark with no noise, that makes you feel weird, right? You go to bed with music on because lying there in silence makes you feel uncomfortable, and so we live in a world that's a lot like that office, right? Full of busyness, full of clatter and clamor. But in the midst of all of that, God is speaking. And we want to hear his voice, don't we? So let's take a look at this story here in 1 Samuel chapter 3. And let's see what we can learn from it as regards hearing his voice. Here's how we're going to break it down. First of all, the silence of God. Second of all, the anatomy of the call. And thirdly, the key factor. So the silence of God, the anatomy of the call, and the third factor, I'm sorry, the key factor. First of all, the silence of God. We read in verse 1 that the boy Samuel was ministering unto the Lord in the presence of Eli. So just a little background on the story here. In the previous chapters, chapters 1 and 2, we saw uh, a woman named Hannah who had been through great frustration and great anguish in her heart, which led her to a place of intense prayer. And she made a vow to God in that place of intense prayer that if God would give her a little baby boy, the one thing she wanted more than anything else in the world, if God would give her that, then she would dedicate that child fully to the Lord. She would give him back to God. And God heard her prayer, and, and Hannah gave birth to a little boy, and they named him Samuel, which means God heard me. 
And when Samuel was three or four years old, his mom and dad fulfilled their vow and they took Samuel to live at the temple under the high priest that lived there and served there under the high priest whose name was Eli. So here in chapter 3, Samuel, although he's been in the temple now for years there in Shiloh, he's now probably uh, about 10 to 12 years old. We read that he's a boy. He's uh, a youth, right? Probably preteen, right? 10 to 12 years old. He's serving there in the temple under the high priest. Now last week in chapter 2, what we studied about was how messed up the ministry in the temple or the tabernacle was in those days. The sons of Eli were the priests. But they had no reverence for God whatsoever. They abused their positions of power. They even broke the law. They lived licentiously. And as a result, a lot of people stopped coming to the the place of worship. They stopped coming to church, so to say, because the priests were these corrupt people who were doing terrible things. And here we have this high priest, Eli, and what we saw last week was that he didn't do anything about it. He knew about the things that his sons were doing, the wrong things they were doing in the temple, but Eli didn't do anything to stop it. This was a dark day in Israel's history. And and here in the second half of that first verse in chapter 3, we read this. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread vision. And maybe you feel that way sometimes, perhaps even in this season that you're in right now in your life, maybe you would say, I don't know what's up, but I just feel like God hasn't been speaking to me. I feel like I haven't been hearing his voice lately. What are we to make of those times when it seems that God is silent, when it seems that God is distant? Is it that God is not speaking, or is it that we're just not tuned into it, that we're just not hearing it? And if it is that he's not speaking, then why is that? So let's talk about this idea of the silence of God. When we talk about hearing God's voice, it's important to recognize a few things. And and first of all, the, the main thing here is this, that there are a number of ways, a number of different ways in which God speaks to us consistently, all the time, right? If you want to hear God's voice, there are ways that God speaks all the time. First of all, God speaks to us through his word. The Bible declares that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. So God's word is eternal. It is powerful. These words of God that we have here in this book, they are the words of life. And that's why here at Whitefields, it's so important to us to study God's word. We want to do that diligently. And when we, when we teach the Bible, we don't want to be Christianettes who can only handle sermonettes, right? We want to really dig into the word of God because God speaks to us through his word. And if you, if you want to hear the words of God, then you have to go no further than to open up his book. If you want to know God's heart about something, he's revealed it right here in his word. So be a student of it. These are his words to you. Another way that God speaks is through other people, right? That's why we we say that Christianity is a community pursuit. Christianity is a community pursuit. Because as iron sharpens iron, so one brother or sister sharpens another. And as we're pursuing God together, God will use us to speak into each other's lives and to speak his word to each other. You know, if you're a person who is not regularly in fellowship with other Christians, you are going to be missing out on a lot of what God wants to teach you through other people. 
This is one of our big emphases also here at Whitefields is community because one of the ways that God speaks to us is through other people. There have been many times where that has been the case in my life. God has spoken to me a word through someone else. Uh, and if, if you don't put yourself in the place of community and fellowship constantly and consistently, then you're going to be missing out on that. So God speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through other people. But here's what I want you to see. That's not what's being talked about here, okay? So God does do those things, and that's super important, very critical. Never neglect that. But that's not what's being talked about in this chapter. When it says that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. You know how I know? Because they did have the scriptures. They had the Torah, right? The first five books of the Bible. They had the scriptures. They also had people who would speak to them the word of God. Just in chapter 2 last week, we saw how this guy showed up and spoke a word to Eli, which was a message from God. So, yes, God speaks to us con consistently and constantly through his word, through other people. But that's not the kind of thing that's being talked about here in this chapter. What's being talked about here is that direct, personal revelation from God where he speaks to you, right? Where he speaks to you into your life. Personally, words of wisdom and guidance, of, of revelation and, and direction. And we see this kind of thing throughout the Bible, right? God speaks to Abraham, God speaks to Noah, God speaks to Moses, God speaks to Peter, God speaks to Paul, God speaks to John, right? God speaks, and God will speak to you too, I believe that, because he's the same yesterday, today, and, and forever. He doesn't change. He will speak to you a personal word, a direct communication just to you, to lead you and guide you. But what are we to make of this here in this uh, verse, in verse 1, where it says that in those days the word of the Lord was rare? How do you make sense of that when you feel like you're not hearing his voice, when it seems that God is not speaking? And, and here's one very important point to that. We must remember that God speaks, but he doesn't speak constantly. God speaks, but he doesn't speak constantly. You know, if you look at the Bible, especially the Old Testament, it seems that God's just speaking all the time, right? He's just talking to people, showing up on every page, talking to people, speaking. But if you look a little closer, what you'll notice is that years go by. I mean, sometimes very large numbers of years go by in between those stories of God speaking. And uh, there, there are a whole bunch of instances in the Bible where God is conspicuously silent, like in the story of Job, right? Job, the, all this calamity befalls Job. And Job starts spending all his time wondering and asking, God, why? Why? But there's no answer, right? All Job gets is silence. And so Job and his friends are just left to wonder and to speculate. And finally, God does speak. But I want you to see there was a period of silence where God didn't speak. And then there's, of course, the story of Joseph, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, the story of providence, right? Joseph and the story of Genesis. In Genesis, the whole book is, is basically stories of God speaking to people. God shows up and speaks to Abraham. God speaks to Isaac. God speaks to Jacob. And then you get to the story of Joseph, which takes up a quarter of the book. And all these terrible things happen to Joseph, but God is just surprisingly silent. And yet at the end of the story, we get this amazing perspective. And we see that the whole time, actually, even though God wasn't speaking to Joseph, God was at work the whole time doing something amazing and something wonderful and good. And what we learn from those stories is this, that sometimes 
God is silent. Sometimes God is silent. But here's the thing we must remember. That with God, silence is not absence. Silence is not absence. And sometimes when God seems distant, that is when he's doing his most profound work. You know, there are some people who would say that God doesn't speak directly to people anymore at all. And then you got people on the other end of the spectrum, right? They kind of go to the opposite extreme. They think God's just a chatterbox, right? Like he's like a, a teenager with unlimited minutes on his cell phone and he's just going for it, right? Just talking, 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 talking. And, and then there are other people, what they do is they blame every harebrained dumb thing that they do on God, right? And they say, God told me to do it, right? I know it sounds crazy. I know it was illegal and unethical, but God told me to do it, right? That's what I like to call throwing God under the bus. And it's not cool, and you shouldn't do that. Uh, if you do something dumb, you got to own that, all right? You got to own that. Don't try to pass that off on God. I believe that God does speak today, but he doesn't speak constantly, right? Sometimes God is silent, but sometimes, like here in the case with Eli, and this is what I think about this situation, that God is silent because maybe he's already spoken. Maybe he's already told you about something, and now he's waiting for you to do it, right? I mean, think about this. Uh, maybe you're saying, God, tell me what to do. Speak to me. Give me direction. And he's saying, I already did. You didn't do it. I'm waiting for you to do it. And then maybe I'll tell you something else. I don't have anything else to tell you. I already told you what to do. I'm just waiting for you to do it. Or I'm waiting for you to just keep on doing it. I think that this was the case with Eli here in this story. God had already told Eli what to do. Remember chapter 2? We saw it last week. God told Eli what to do. He said, I want you to deal with your sons. They're doing terrible things in the temple. Deal with them. You're the boss. You're their dad. Discipline them. Do something. But Eli didn't do anything. God told him what to do, but Eli didn't respond. And so God doesn't have anything else to say to Eli as regards direction and guidance. He already told him what to do. Now he's waiting for him to do it. And I wonder about you. What has God spoken to you? What was the last thing he told you to do that you can clearly put your finger on and say, this was God's leading in my life telling me to do this. Have you done it? Have you followed through? Are you still doing it? Maybe God spoke to you, husbands, and said, I want you to start reading your Bible with your wife, with your kids. Maybe he told you, get involved with that community group, right? Get involved with that ministry. Maybe he told you to start giving generously. Maybe he told you to forgive somebody and put away bitterness and let go. Have you done it? That's the best place to start when it comes to hearing his voice. Go back to the last thing that God spoke to you about and do it. Maybe the reason you're not getting fresh vision and direction is because God already gave you vision and direction and he's waiting for you to follow through on what he already told you. I believe that God's looking for people who will hear his voice and do it when he speaks. Secondly, let's look at the anatomy of the call. And what I mean by the anatomy of the call is the, the who, where, when, and how of how this went down, right? The who, where, when, and how of the story. First of all, who did God speak to? Who did God speak to? He spoke to a boy, probably 10 to 12 years old. Some of you parents in here, you have kids that are that age, that are 10 to 12 years old. Right? God can speak to them. Do you know that? Don't discount that. They can hear God's voice. Don't ever diminish that or discount it. 
And the question for you parents, for all of us parents, is this. Are you teaching your kids to seek the Lord? Are you teaching your kids how to discern the will of God for their lives? You know, one of the things that weighs heavily on my heart as a parent is, is this question of how am I going to pass my faith on to my kids? Will my kids walk in my footsteps? Will they know the Lord in the way that I've come to know the Lord, that I so desperately want them to also know the Lord? I'm sure you guys have seen it. I certainly have. I've seen kids who grow up in Christian homes. They grow up going to church and they do the youth group thing and they get baptized as teenagers. But then at some point in their life, they stop walking with the Lord. Maybe they turn away from their parents' faith completely. Ultimately, of course, that's a decision that every person will have to make for themselves. But as a parent and as a Christian, I want to do everything I can to help my kids know the Lord, like, like I know the Lord. I want them to have that kind of relationship with God. And I think that that requires more than just dragging them along with me to church. It, it's got to be more than that. Now, I, I don't want to diminish that either. That is so important, you know. What goes on in our children's ministry, some of you who teach in there, what goes on there, that is so huge. That's so foundational for these kids' lives. What you are doing when you're teaching them the Bible, when you're teaching about Jesus week in and week out, these little guys, you're planting the seed seeds of the gospel in their hearts. And that is so important, so huge. Uh, but, you know, bringing our kids with us to church, that is major, right? But that can't be the only thing that we do for them. We need to teach them how to have a relationship with God, how to hear God's voice, how to respond to God, how to know when God's speaking to them. Just like Eli guided Samuel in, in this story. Remember the story? He, he says, you know, Samuel hears this voice, Samuel! So he says, okay, yeah, what's up? And he runs in Eli's room. He says, Eli, you called? And Eli says, no, I didn't call. Go back to bed, you know? And then again, Samuel, and the same thing. And Eli says, no, go back to bed. And the third time, Samuel, Samuel, twice. And, and he says, oh, hey, wait a second. Eli says, I know what this is. Wait a second. You know what this is? God is speaking to you, Samuel. This is God speaking to you. I didn't call out to you. I didn't even hear anything. God's speaking to you, Samuel. That's what this is. Now, next time this happens, here's what I want you to do. I want you to respond, and I want you to talk to God. Just stay where you are and talk to God and tell him, I'm listening. I'm listening. Whatever you want to say, I'm here. I'm listening. You know what Eli was doing? He was teaching Samuel how to have a dynamic relationship with God. And parents, you get to do that. What an awesome thing it is that you get to do that with your kids. It says in verse 7 that Samuel at this time did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. He was just a kid. He knew a lot about God because he'd been spending his time in the temple serving and helping out. But yet he didn't have that dynamic relationship with God where God speaks and you respond. And you speak to him and he answers. You know, parents, again, that's what we get to do with our kids. That's a huge thing. It's, it's so great, right? We get to teach them how to interact with God, how to speak to God, how to discern God's will for their lives, how to pray and see those prayers answered. That's an awesome thing to get to be a part of. But notice one, one last thing. Who does God speak to? He speaks to a boy. He speaks to a child. Jesus said this. He said, truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying that we, he says you have to be childlike. You have to have that sense of expectation, that sense of awe and wonder. You know, the person who's jaded and cynical 
is not the person who's going to be lying in bed saying, Lord, speak to me, I'm listening, right? The cynical person is, is going to have no expectation at all that God's going to speak to them. And that, therefore, they will have a harder time hearing his voice because they're not attentively expecting him to speak. And Jesus is saying, don't be like that. Don't be a, a cynical, jaded geezer, right? Because you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on what God has for you. I want you to be like a child, expectant, pure-hearted. Notice, notice next, not only who God spoke to, but how God spoke. Now, this is one of the main questions that people ask. How does God speak? Is it an audible voice? How, how does God speak? Do you hear voices? How does this work? It seems to me that, that in this story, what we have here with Samuel, it seems to me, I could be wrong, but it seems to me this was not an audible voice because only Samuel heard it, right? Eli never heard this. He never said, oh, I don't know, but I heard that too. Go get the flashlight. We're going to go find out who's hiding out in our house, right? No, he says, oh, I didn't hear anything. Just go back to bed. So in my opinion, this was not an audible voice that Samuel heard. Now, that isn't to say that God can't do that or God can't speak that way. But here's my take on it. You know, what your physical ear does is it pretty much receives physical sound waves, right? And it translates those waves and sends a message to your brain. And I don't see any reason why God couldn't just bypass that and just send a message to your brain, right? So uh, I, I think that's how God often speaks to us. I think that's how he spoke here to Samuel. Next, let's consider where God spoke to Samuel. God spoke to Samuel in the temple, in the place of worship. It would be like the equivalent of church, right? For me too, it's, it's when I've been in the place of worship, in church services or small group settings or in conference settings, when I, over the years, I have heard God's voice speak to me most uh, clearly and most frequently. If you want the Lord to speak to you and give you guidance, I encourage you to be in the temple, be in the place of worship consistently. You know, many times it's happened to me that after church, you know, I'll be standing by the back or something and somebody will come up to me and they'll, they'll tell me, God spoke to me through that sermon, but only, here, here's the thing, they'll tell me, God spoke this and that to me, but that had nothing to do with my sermon, right? Like, I didn't say anything like that. Um, and I remember this one time uh, I was preaching on Jesus walking on the water. And afterwards, this guy comes up to me and he says, that was amazing what you said about how if we don't have faith in Jesus, that it's like we're drowning, right? And I started telling him, well, well actually, I'd, I never said anything like that. But then I stopped myself because um, this guy, right, he tells me, you know, I came here today and I was not a Christian, when I walked in the door and uh, after hearing that message and this whole thing about drowning if I'm not putting my faith in Jesus, he says, I want to become a Christian today. I want to be saved and I want to be forgiven and I want to get baptized and give my life to God. And, and this guy just started like crying like right there in front of me. And, and uh, the thing was, I never said those things that he had heard me say, I guess. Uh, I didn't bother arguing with him, you know. I figured that was kind of beside the point, right? It didn't really matter. God had spoken to him, and he had heard God's voice because he was, like Samuel, he was in the place of worship. He was in the temple, the place where God often, so often speaks and meets people. So not only who and where and how, but also take note of when God spoke. When did God speak? God spoke to Samuel in the middle of the night. Why the middle of the night? I think that God often speaks to us at night because it's the one time when our hearts are quiet enough 
to hear his voice. I know that's been the case with me. There have been times when I've lied, away, lied awake at night and, and God has been doing work in my heart. So keep that in mind next time you wake up in the middle of the night, you can't get back to sleep. Don't just turn on the TV or, or get something to eat. God might be wanting to speak to you in the middle of the night like he did to Samuel. So God spoke to Samuel at night, but, but think about this also in a broader sense of when God spoke to Samuel. God spoke to Samuel when Samuel was ministering to the Lord. That's what we read in verse 1. Samuel was ministering to the Lord and God spoke to him. And notice this very important phrasing here. It wasn't that Samuel was ministering for the Lord, like he was doing things for God, but Samuel was ministering to the Lord. Now what was Samuel's service there in the temple? He couldn't be a priest. So Samuel's service was basically that he was just like a helping hand, right? He would help out the duties of the priests. He would run errands for them. He would clean up. This was his job. He was a servant. But Samuel's attitude about it was that he wasn't doing those things primarily for the priests themselves. First and foremost, he was doing those things for God. He was doing those things as ministry unto the Lord. Now there's another time in the Bible where God also spoke to people as they were ministering to him. God spoke to them and gave them a special revelation of guidance and direction for their lives. In Acts chapter 13, at the beginning of the chapter, we read this. That in the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. And they ministered unto the Lord. As they ministered unto the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, separate to me. Barnabas and Saul for the work of which I have called them. And then they fasted and prayed and laid hands on them and sent them away. And so they, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went to Seleucia and from there to Cyprus. So began the first missionary journey in the history of Christianity. This group of people was doing what? They were ministering to the Lord. And as they're ministering to the Lord, God spoke to them. And they heard his voice. And they agreed collectively, this is God. And they laid hands and sent out a missionary. Samuel was ministering to the Lord also, right? In practical service. But in the book of Acts, their ministry unto the Lord, it took a different form. In the book of Acts, their ministry unto the Lord was prayer and fasting and worship. You know, ministering to the Lord, that's a, that's a precious and a special thing. It's when you do something because you want to bring joy to the heart of God. Ministering to the Lord, it's when you do something for God. Even if nobody sees it, you're not doing it so that other people will see it. You're doing it unto the Lord, right? And it doesn't matter if anybody else ever notices it or pats you on the back or says thank you or commends you. It's something you did in secret to minister to the Lord. Whether it's singing praise to him in, in the chair you're sitting in or whether it's praying words of adoration and praise that no one knows or no one hears but God. Whether it's uh, putting your last two mites in the offering box like that woman did in the Bible, even though nobody knows that those are your last two mites. Whether it's faithfully serving, even though no one sees what you're doing except for God. You know, we see multiple times in the scripture that it's when people are in this place of ministering to the Lord that God speaks to them, a word of direction, a calling on their life, a message from the Lord. I would encourage those of you who want to hear his voice, who desire to hear God's voice, put yourself in that place of ministering to the Lord. And as you are, be attentive and ready to hear God's voice as he speaks to you. And thirdly, our final point is this, the key factor. What's the key factor? The one question we didn't ask in that anatomy of the call is the question of why. 
Why did God speak to Samuel? Why? The question was actually already answered in chapter 2 with this messenger comes to Eli and tells him, Eli, because you are not willing to deal with your sons doing these terrible, you know, immoral things in my house, which is supposed to be a place of sanctification and holiness that's set apart. He said, because you're not willing to deal with your sons, I am going to take away the priesthood from you and I'm going to give it to another. Someone else will be priest in place of you. And it says in in chapter 2 verse 35, God says, I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do all that is in my heart and in my mind. Samuel is that man. God is raising him up to be both a priest and the prophet for the people. Samuel is going to be the first of this, this great, you know, heritage of Old Testament prophets. And the job of the prophet is basically to hear the word from the Lord and pass it on to the people. Hear God's word for the people and communicate it to them and, and tell it to them. He's basically, the, the, the prophet in those days, is basically like the, the pastor for the entire nation. So Samuel's going to be a man who not only fulfills the position of the priest, but he also is going to hear from God. And he's going to tell the people, this is God's word for you, for the situation that we're in today. In chapter 3, verse 19, I love this phrase that it says about Samuel. It says that the Lord was with him, and the Lord let none of his words fall to the ground. None of his words fell to the ground. That means that Samuel faithfully conveyed the word of the Lord to the people, and it came about. You know what the key factor is? You know what the key factor is in this story of Samuel and in regard to this topic of hearing God's voice? The key factor is responsiveness. Responsiveness. Why didn't God tell Eli, or sorry, why did God tell Eli, Eli, you can't be priest anymore? Because when God did speak to Eli, Eli didn't do what God told him to do. He wasn't responsive to the word of the Lord speaking to him. So eventually, God stopped talking to Eli because he had already told him what to do, but Eli was not responsive. Samuel, on the other hand, he's the very picture, the very image of responsiveness to the word of God. He's the one who comes running and says, Lord, your servant is speaking. Speak to me. He's the one who who hears the word of the Lord and the next day passes it on, right? He's responsive. When God speaks to him, he goes out. He does it. That's what God said. I want someone who will do all that is in my heart and in my mind. Responsiveness. So let me bring this home. How about you? How about you? What has God spoken to you? Maybe God is even speaking to you this morning about something that's going on in your life, maybe something that nobody else knows about, only you. Here in this place of worship, as you've come to minister to him, what is God speaking to you? What has he spoken to you? If you want to hear his voice, I'm telling you, you've got to respond to it when he speaks to you. The question is not, is God speaking? He most certainly is, without a doubt. Jesus told us that. The question is rather, are you listening and will you respond? Let's stand and pray. Lord, we thank you that this morning you are speaking to us, Lord. I know that there are some of us here, Lord, you're speaking to our hearts even right now about situations in our lives, Lord. Lord, may we be responsive. I pray for anyone here today, Lord, that who is who's not yet a Christian, who's not yet given their life fully over to you and said, Lord, be the Lord of my life. I want to walk in your footsteps. I want to follow Jesus. 
Lord, I pray if that person is here today and you're calling them, you're speaking to them, today is the day of salvation. Give your life to me. Lord, I pray that they would respond. Lord, responsiveness. May we be responsive to you. Lord, those of us who who are Christians, who do walk with Jesus, Lord, may we be responsive when you speak to us, when you speak into our lives. Lord, may we be like Samuel, eager, responsive, and saying, here I am, Lord, your servant is listening. And may we, may we do it. And we pray all that in Jesus' name. And as we take communion now, uh, Lord, we remember your body broken for us. We remember your blood shed for us, Lord, your body broken for us for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, your blood in which we have the new covenant, your blood of our atonement, Lord, making peace between us and God, wiping away all of our failures and iniquities, Lord. We, we take this bread and this cup now over these next few songs in remembrance of you with thankful hearts for all that you've done for us, wanting to respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen.